What's happening, Hardscapers? This is episode 218 of the How to Hardscape podcast, where we talk about how you can start and grow your hardscaping business. And on today's episode, we have John Pajak. He is a podcast host of the Profits with Pajak podcast and a business owner in the lawn care space. And we're happy to have him on to talk about personally my favorite topic talking about your numbers but getting into a deeper conversation on that we start off with talking about his history in the business beginning with his lawn care business and then eventually coming back and restarting which opens up a wide variety of conversations there as well as getting into overhead recovery systems his preference on those as well and before we get into today's episode let's thank our sponsors in light outdoor lighting if you're looking for outdoor lighting in your hardscaping business reach out to in light outdoor lighting at in light design on instagram that's i-n-l-i-t-e design on instagram at the very least give them a follow to follow along with the inspiration that they post with their photos on their feed or reach out to them to get that conversation started to get outdoor lighting in your projects and cycle cpa talking about knowing your numbers if you need bookkeeping accounting cfo services reach out to cycle cpa at cycle underscore cpa on instagram also give them a follow because they've got great educational content that they post there or go to their website cyclecpa.com let them know how hard to keep sent you for 200 dollars off their services there and without further ado let's get into today's episode Today, we're joined by John Pajak. He's the host of Profits with Pajak, a podcast that I've been listening to recently. And as you all may know, I love talking, knowing your numbers and all that. So, John, it's great to have you as a guest here. He's also got johnpajak.com, budgets, break-evens, bottom lines, and other business development workshops there if you are looking to know your numbers a little bit more. John, thank you so much for taking the time here. Oh, thanks, Michael. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, I... I'm here. I'm here for your bidding. So whatever you would like to know or discuss today, I'd be happy to share that with you and your audience. I am uh, excited because, as our my audience may know, I love talking, knowing your numbers. I like talking financials and all that. So uh, it's always great to have somebody to have to be able to bounce ideas off of. And one such thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is overhead recovery system. So we'll get into that as mm-hmm. well as other things with knowing your numbers. But before then, uh, John, let's get to know a little bit more about you, how you got started in the green industry and what brought you here to today. Uh, feel free to take that wherever you want. And I'm sure I'm going to have some follow-up questions from there. Sure. I'll put it, I'll, I'll make it very brief because I'm sure People are tired of hearing about my my like life story so far, but here's uh I I've been in this industry for over 20, 20 years. I I'm, I forget now. It's twenty three, maybe twenty four. I it doesn't even matter. I don't know what year it is anymore. <laughs> but uh, you know, I started out as just working in the in the in the industry, and I decided at one point in time that hey, this sounds like a great idea. Let me start my own. I failed. I actually got out of the business for a little while, went to, I was a a college instructor and then I got into construction and I know there's a whole lot of like, whoa, why why are you talking about all this crazy stuff? Um, You know, it's like you're, you're jumping all over the place, right? Well, there's, there's a point to it. Once I got out of construction, I started to decide, well, I was still in construction. I just, and things were starting to change for me. And I decided, you know what? Uh, I wanted to spend more time with family. I wanted to spend, I didn't want to get the risk of injury like I was in the construction field. So I was like, you know what? I never got hurt. I never got critically injured uh, trying to mow lawns or whatever. So I decided to start a, a lawn care business again. And from that, you know, I had a, still have a successful lawn care business here in Northwest Indiana. But uh, over the time, I started realizing that I had a set of skills built up over that my entire career to where I could actually help other business owners grow their business in the right way. And that's why I mentioned when I was an instructor and why I've had a fa- I had a failed business in the first place. And then I went on to be a college instructor. And during that tenure, I developed some skills to actually communicate with people. 
And then when I went into construction, I was not only, I, I started out as a laborer, but then when I was in the office, I was doing a lot of estimate work. And we were talking about, you know, I was working for a multi-million dollar construction company and we were doing big things. We were in, you know, the oil refinery where we're at and the steel mills. And some of these projects were multi-million dollar projects that I was estimating on. So kind of we're starting to see how this stew is getting put together, right? You know, lots of flavors, lots of levels of flavor here. I When I got back into lawn care, I thought that I was just going to build this, you know, one-stop shop, mowing, hardscaping, landscaping, everything under the sun was going to be in this business. But as time went by, I, I specialized just in fertilization and weed control. And then because I am, I want to share with people and I like to help people, that's where the coaching started coming from. And before I knew it, it just turned into helping people in Facebook groups to wow, a lot of my time is being dedicated to this and I've helped a lot of businesses grow. So I should turn this into a coaching uh, uh, gig in a sense. So I currently, I still run, uh, you know, the lawn care business, but I also do the uh, one way of sharing is through the Profits of the Paycheck podcast. And then I still do a lot of, one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching with people so that's hopefully that kind of sums everything up and i know it's a very abbreviated <laughs> it's a really, <laughs> absolutely they're like whoa man that's a lot of stuff in a, in a short amount of time you know what so what's the whole point of it well the whole point is i basically take owner operators and uh, medium-sized companies i could go into their their numbers and really help them identify like where their sweet spots are, how to price their services appropriately and profitably every time. Thank you for that. Uh, I, I'm sure uh, long time range, but summed up very uh, shortly here for us there. Uh, I, there's a few things I want to touch on here. Your initial business where you mentioned a couple times there that it failed. Uh, does it have to do with knowing your numbers and not knowing your numbers back then? And Or do you want to get into why it uh, ended up failing in the process there? Yeah, I was a really good technician. I was a very, I thought, because you know my current employer who was a good role model to me i just started thinking i'm like geez you know if he's doing this i could do this and it turned out i wasn't focusing on the right things i didn't know what my numbers were i didn't have i didn't have any kind of system built into place and what i mean by systems is just it's just really like standard operating procedures you know, like we, we say systems, we say standard operating SOPs, we say all these things, right? But to break it down, it's like, what, what's your, your habit? What's your ritual? When you pull up to a, a place, you know, what's the first thing you do? You know, it, people are like, oh, you know, it, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's just like, what's the very first thing we do? We have in our, our uh, employee handbook, it's it, the very first thing we do is make sure you're at the right house. <laughs> you know, before you even get out of the truck and load anything, make sure you're, you know, the, the address on the app is the same as the one that's, that you just pulled up to. And then from there, it's like, okay, what do we do? What are we here for? Okay. We're here for this per, you know, this service. Okay. What's the procedure, you know, anyway, long story short, without getting complicated about it, um, you know, it's just like when you, you get up in the morning what's your morning routine look like you know you probably get out of bed wipe your eyes go to the bathroom shave whatever i don't know what you do but you know it's just kind of that those steps you need to take so what happened with my first company which wasn't a company it wasn't a company at all it was just i was i was a, the proverbial truck you know chucking the truck but i thought i knew it because i had a little bit of a leg up because i ended up um, I had some equipment and then I was, I was actually using some of the equipment from my employer too. 
So it looked like I was, you know, big, big shot, you know, uh, when actuality, I had no idea <laughs> how to, how to really be a business owner. Right. It was like when it came to invoicing and everything else, it was struggle because this is, you know, this is in the nineties and yeah, this is in the nineties, early two thousands, maybe. And you know, everything we didn't have all the CRMs and apps and all the cool technical things that we have nowadays. So everything was still, you know, carbon paper. And I thought I was big time when I finally had some business cards made up and a couple, you know, I had the three uh, paper copy carbon paper things for invoices. Uh, but anyway, not to bore everybody about it, but long story short, I just didn't know the numbers that I actually needed. Uh, I didn't have, I didn't have that knowledge of how to price things properly and how to allocate the funds that I was bringing in to for growth. Mm-hmm. It was just more like I was just replace. I was taking that money in and turning that into my own. Um, my own income, my own paycheck, because that's kind of the mentality I was in at that time. You know, I needed money. I made the money. I spent the money. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't put anything towards anything. And, um, in the long run, because I didn't know those numbers, it, it, it just, I just realized I couldn't maintain. I couldn't grow. And the best thing I could do was just to take whatever assets I had, which were, you know, just a few pieces of equipment and sell them off. Mm -hmm. Now, when you went back into construction after teaching there, uh, did you did things start to click there when you're in the construction field working for a larger company uh, that, you know what, they have these systems in place and now I can borrow these systems. And when you go off on your own, you can then start to, you know, understand how systems work into a a startup business and what knowing your numbers actually means when you're estimating. Did that experience from the construction industry uh, really translate when you start your second business? They did. But the funny thing was I did, it didn't click. Like the culmination of all my experiences didn't really click until I started coaching. Once I got certified to mm-hmm. as a financial coach, that's when everything I started looking back and going, "Oh, this this is the path God wants me on because I have experienced all these other things." So originally, to answer your question, I didn't really think too much about it when I was doing the 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 bridge from construction into um, my new business. I just knew for a fact, like I, when I was doing the estimates for the construction company, yes, I picked up quite a few skills, but I, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, um, the decisions that were going through my mind, I wasn't like, oh, well, I know this now, so I'm going to be better here. I just didn't click right away. Right. So the, the crazy thing is, though, like when I was working for the construction company, we, we had we had several estimators. And the, the cool thing was, and this is just me puffing myself up a little here. Um, you got to deflate me a little, okay, Mike? Go ahead, <laughs> pop a pin in me so I, I'm not, uh, you know, too bloated here. But um, the, they started seeing the, the owners. Um, actually, they weren't even my owners. They were the... Uh, just the supervisors um uh, but anyway they were noticing like whenever i did the bids we would always be in the black because i would anticipate a, because not only that i i had a lot of experience in the field itself and i could i could had the foresight to see the things that would uh like uh instead of having change orders like some of the other estimators had I would already anticipate that. And then our jobs would work much. They would just flow a lot more easily because we, we wouldn't have to go back to the, um, the customer, you know, our client and say, Oh, we, we ran into some unexpected things and here we're going to have to add more onto your, 
thing. It was like when I did it, I anticipated more of these things because of the experience that I the experiences that I had, and I was able to see the whole scope of work and be like, all right, we're gonna drill this in. Now I wasn't perfect. I mean, there were sometimes we had to have change orders just because, you know, we're digging in the ground. And there's, you know, things that you just can't see. I don't care how, you know, we'd have guys come out and x-ray the, the ground. You know, they would come out there with all the equipment and check for voids and all these other things. But I don't care what, what service industry you're in. You're going to run into some unexpected things. But um, like I said, I had the ability to see a lot of these things beforehand. So when I gave an estimate, it was, or a bid, it may be more expensive than everybody else's, but it was in the overall scope of things, it was pretty much right on the money. And instead of having to go back and ask for more money or, you know, disappointing the customer because it's like, oh, well, you said it was going to be, you know, 1.6 million and now it's going to be like 2 million because of all these changes, you know, they're not happy. <laughs> so anyway, from that, I, uh, you know, I've, t I've, I could scale that to just about any service business and, um, see the, uh, what the, not the objections are, but what, you know, see the whole scope of work and then just be able to just dial in all those little variables, right? That you are going to be pretty much on the money and no matter what, you're going to be profitable. Mm -hmm. uh you mentioned also financial coach uh certification is that personal uh finance or what is that in entail originally um i went through two different uh courses one was most people might understand this the, the they'll be familiar with the name at least but i went through a dave ramsey uh certification so that was more for personal uh the side and then I ended up taking another course just to, you know, give get a little extra letters and stuff behind my name uh, that was more oriented towards business. So I'm not a, you know, here's the thing. I am not a financial advisor. I am not someone that's going to tell you like to, to, to invest or diversify your, your portfolio or anything like that. What, originally and like i've been doing this for years before i even thought about coaching was uh we did i did i used to do a lot of personal budgets because one i needed one for myself um and for my household but you know i've helped over the years i've helped many friends and family get out of personal debt and that way they could live the life that they want to live and when it comes to business though it's a little it's not like apples and oranges uh but they're when you when i budget for business it's a little bit different than i budget for personal life and one thing i'd like to just mention is just because you build a budget for your business you should you have i think before you do that you should have a budget for your personal life first and the main reason for that is as business owners there's going to be a lot of solopreneurs there's going to be a lot of solo guys out there that are just kind of doing this on their own we talk about one of the one of the craziest things to me is when we start talking or i start talking to a business owner and i say well how much what's your salary or what do you pay yourself and they're like, well, it's just me, so I don't really need, I don't need to pay myself. I'll just take the profits, whatever. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't think, I'm like, no, no, no. You're, you know, I, and then I asked them, I'm like, where do you want to go with your business? Do you want to scale it? Do you want to just stay in the truck by yourself forever? Or what, what's your plan here? Because even if you're going to stay in the truck forever by yourself, you should have like a hard limit and say this is what i'm paying myself per hour because you know it's just like it's like that corporate veil where your personal is your personal and your business is your business your business has to pay for your personal so if you have a personal budget and you know what it costs for you to live 
And whatever that number is, it's like, you know, some guys I've talked to, they could live off of, you know, 17 an hour or some guys need 40 an hour. It doesn't, I don't, I don't judge. I'm not, whatever lifestyle you're trying to maintain, well, that's what you have to budget in your business budget as the payroll for at least you. And then, you know, you have to budget for additional employees as well. But um, once you figure out that personal budget and you understand, okay, maybe I could lean things up. I don't have to have, you know, steak dinner every single night or, you know, we're not buying the $85,000 SUV just because the neighbors bought one, you know. But once you once you figure those things out, it makes it so much easier for you to like really start understanding what your business has to generate and what it truly costs for your business to uh, stay, you know, just open the doors every day. So that's it. Yeah, I think that's about. Uh, I don't know. Was, was I going somewhere else with that too? I I've got I've got a few other questions. Uh, sure which is why I asked you about the financial coaching. Uh, but since you brought up the Dave Ramsey, uh, what's your thoughts on debt versus no debt in a, in a business, not uh, personal life? The reason why I'm not a endorsed local provider for Dave Ramsey is because there are times when I will, I would say that it might be beneficial to take on business debt. Now, I, in my personal life, we do not have debt except for our home. We don't use credit cards. We don't use, we don't do the miles things. We don't do that stuff. Okay. That's whether you, you agree with that philosophy or not, that's up to you. Uh, I could just testify that over the past, uh, I try to remember when I got completely debt free, it was before my wife and I got married. So I'm thinking around like maybe 2008, I think maybe 2005. Well, no, maybe it's around 2008 was when I finally got everything paid off and I was just a cash and carry guy. So whatever time difference that is at this point, you know, 15 years, whatever living life, personal life, debt-free has been excellent. It's, I don't have to worry about somebody. I owe somebody anything. I could sleep better at night. If I pass tomorrow, if I pass tonight, God takes me home. I know that my family doesn't have debts that they have to pay. Now, with business, there's, a, I think there's a little bit of leeway here because we have, when you start looking at pieces of equipment, it would be, you know, say you're getting an excavator and it's 150,000, right? We got, you know, I mean, depending on what size excavator we're going to get. But, you know, we're, we're talking some equipment that could rival some people's homes, you know, in, in cost. If I needed that for my business in order to properly do the work and it was something to where it was like I was using it more, so frequently that renting it was actually costing me more money because at first if it was just if you're just getting into it or if you're just moving into a different uh stage of uh, of your business you might want to just rent the equipment but it, when it comes to the point where you are spending so much money um you can't it's almost like you can't save up fast enough for it depending on how fast your business is moving. So that's like the only time I would be like, all right, if if you're making that equipment pay, not only for itself, but it's it's building, I want to say equity in a sense, but it's it's allowing you to get into more jobs, which is making you more profitable, then go ahead and get that, you know, finance that machine, but put it on an advanced payment schedule. So if you get a loan and it's, you know, five years or whatever it might be, instead of it, instead of taking that entire time to pay that thing off, I mean, I've seen some loans are like seven, eight years now, um, but I would suggest paying that off at an accelerated rate, work that into your pricing. 
so that instead of it being a you know the five or, or let's just say five years, okay, I would say get that thing paid off in three years, or plan to have it paid off in three years. Even though the machine might last you much longer than that, especially with good maintenance and everything, which is an additional cost, you got to remind yourself. Not, it's not just the purchase price of the machine. There's the operating expense of that machine. So we're talking fuel, uh, gas, oil, grease, parts, whatever it is. Um, there's a lot of expenses that go into just operating that piece of equipment. But if it's if it's making you more money, then I would. That's the only time I would really take that out on it. Uh, I tend to. I tend to just, I'm almost at the point now where we could just say we're going to make a decision on whether we're going to buy, purchase a new piece of equipment. And then we just, we just almost have the cash for it. So I'm not trying to say like everything's financed, but there comes a point in your business, especially if you're strategic about it, to where you, you could, you could grow your business, still keep up with the growth of the business as if you're, you know, booming out and everything, but still be able to pay things in cash. So it, it, it requires strategic and strict budgeting to make that happen. And I know, I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, Michael, I'm kind of rattling on here, but a lot of, I say this a lot people think when they hear the word budget, they start to frown and they start to get upset about it. They're like, oh, this guy's going to tell me I can't spend money on anything. It's like, no. The budget gives you freedom. It allows you. If you say, we're going to put this, we're going to have an excavator fund and we keep putting money into this, we figure it all out and we're like, we're putting a certain percentage towards this or for every job that we do, we're going to, at least put a chunk of money in there or the profits part of the profits go into that a fund whatever it is it's like it once you start doing that it gives you the permission to spend that money and but you're only spending it on that you're not spending it on like hey we're gonna you know pimp out my regular ride and you know put some rims on it and put a Carolina squad on a pickup truck, which is the worst looking thing in the world. <laughs> you work hard to build a successful business. And because of this, it is important to work with companies that you can trust, rely on, and whose missions are to give you the highest quality product and customer support. Low voltage outdoor lighting is one of the easiest ways for you to grow your business and increase revenue. Using lighting can make you more profit, add that wow factor, and make your business stand out. Whether you are already using outdoor lighting in your hardscape projects or not, it's time you check out InLight Outdoor Lighting. As a professional hardscaper, we know that you need efficient installs, less callbacks, and premium products to have a successful and growing business. InLights got you covered. They've created some of the most premium and unique lighting on the market to make your project stand out and wow your clients with their unmatched light quality. It gets better. InLight has an unbeatable customer support team, provides many educational resources like online and in-person training, installation videos, and so much more. They care about your business growth and will be with you every step of the way. For more information on how InLight can help you grow your business, check them out on Instagram at InLight Design. That's at I-N-L-I-T-E Design on Instagram. DM them to find out how to put more money in your pocket this season. Now back to the podcast. Continuing one more thing about uh, the personal side of finances. And um, I'm curious as to your thoughts, if somebody was to come to you or maybe just you yourself personally, um, and they have some excess funds and they think, where should I invest this? 
that gives me the best bang for my buck or is the best for me myself? Should they put it into their business where they can confidently say that they'll get a certain percent of return back to them? Or should they diversify and, and invest outside of their business? What are your thoughts on this as a personal financial coach, as well as somebody who owns and operates their own business? Are you talking about just profits or are you just talking about? Yeah. So once you get to, you know, say somebody's actually paying themselves a salary and then they've got profits left over, whatever they do with those profits. But maybe they are looking at they just have a lump sum of money and they're trying to decide, well, I can put it back into the business and invest it into myself or I can diversify and invest outside of the business, whatever that might look like, real estate, um, stocks, bonds, whatever that might be. Right. Before, uh, like the way that we operate and the way that I like to operate is when we get profits from the business, it then gets filtered to us. Mm -hmm. You know, however, we, you like, just say me. I'm going to say it, it comes to me. But before it even gets to me, what I do is I look at it and I'm like, all right, if this wasn't so, if this is truly like, uh, you know, true profit, these are, you know, your, your actual net profits. What I, I do is I will keep a certain percentage just for the business. So it reinvests in the business. That way there's, there's, there's always like a growth fund, you know, depending on how much profit we make, we're pretty, we're pretty predictable, like with our, our profits, because the pricing and everything that we have, the volume of work that we have is consistent. Um, so just, by looking at a glance, I could pretty much tell you what next uh, this upcoming quarter, actually this upcoming month, I could pretty much tell you how much profit we're going to have. Um, but what? So right from the get, I always had I take a certain percentage of the profits and keep them for the business. That way, that money that the you know all the the profits are are really the the gift of all the blood, sweat tears and years that you've put into your business so you know obviously you want to keep the business growing you want to keep it healthy you keep a certain amount for the business itself then when the fill it comes to me you know when i'm taking my share which i could take 100 percent of it if i chose to but i leave a bit in there you know the first thing i do with any profits i tithe you know i a Christian, I believe, you know, I, I, I love God. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And so right off the rip, 10% is going to my church. After that, you know, I, I will break it down. I'm like, you know what? Some of these profits are going to go towards uh, just something fun. And I know that you know, that's the whole point. I don't go out and buy like skidoos and art, you know, ATVs and things like that. But what I like to do is I like to put money to the side so that my family and I could have, uh, you know, little adventures. They don't have to be big trips or anything like that, but just something that's fun for us to celebrate our profit. And then from there, it's not like I, I try not to hoard any money. As far as like, you, yeah, you, you, you're responsible. You put money to the side for savings or, you know, like my, I have a daughter. So, you know, there's a little college fund here, but from there that when I started looking at that, once that's in my realm, right, it's not in the business's realm. It's in my personal life. You know, my wife and I usually discuss things and we're like, what can we do? Is there another revenue stream that we might be able to tap into? It, it's like, we could take this money and say that's a wonderful thing about profits you could use them for anything it's like we could redo parts of the house if we need to um we could oh the maybe there's something unexpected that popped up it's like oh yep look we just happen to have the exact same amount of money that we need to pay for this unexpected thing or what i find a lot of times is where i will sit there and go all right you know maybe we can make this we should make this money work for us and I don't, and again, I'm not going to, I don't dabble in the stock market or anything like that. I find that by turning that profitable, the profits into a tangible asset, 
or something that is it's either going to maintain its its uh value or it's going to increase in value so that could be just about anything i mean sometimes it's like oh we're just going to i'm going to look for another investment as far as what's another business opportunity that we might be able to get into that's going to make more money on top of this so it's hard you know i'm i like i when it comes to personal finances i don't generally consult people on that type of uh of thing usually it's within their own business with the business development uh workshops that i host that's when it's like look you want to maybe maybe you have a certain size business and you only focus on like one or two services which is actually ideal I rec- really recommend, especially if, if guys are first starting out, try just one. Do one thing. Do it good. Do it really good until you get better at it. And then once you, once you, it's like seamless. Like you, you know, you and all of your people could do this work in their sleep as well as manage it. Because it's not just about being a technician; it's about being a business owner and managing that work. Once you get that, um, once that service is like no-brainer, like everybody on the team could do not only the work, but, you know, the key people that you have in your office that can just, yeah, no problem. We could estimate this. We could bill it. We could do everything about this in our sleep. Then add another service. So that's why if somebody's thinking like, you know what, maybe I should get into you know, like land clearing or um, hardscaping, you know, it's like, we want to add that service. Okay, we'll start laying out the groundwork before you jump into it. Find out if there's a demand in your area for it, because don't get me wrong, hardscaping is a wonderful thing, but depending on what part of the country you're in, it may be in high demand or it might not be in demand at all. And I'd hate to, for somebody to go into a new venture thinking that they're going to kill it because some of their favorite Instagram people or their favorite podcast host or somebody is endorsing it. And then it turns out they didn't do their homework, find out what their demographics were, find out where what the actual demand and, and, and everything is in their industry or their, their area that they chose to work in and find out that it's, it's few and far between and they're even though they could do amazing work because the demand is not there or people can't afford to do those types of of enhancements to their home, they would, because they don't have volume, they're going to fall flat on their face and they're, it's just not going to be a good thing. Yeah. And uh, more of also a personal question that I had for you there is to how you think about diversification, especially outside of the business. But I just want to take a break from today's episode to talk about our sponsor, Cycle CPA. You may have a CRM or project management software in place, but what data are you using to ensure your estimating is accurate? Having a proper accounting setup and accurate bookkeeping done is key to understanding overhead expenses and other costs that must be recouped in your estimates. Cycle CPA is a remote bookkeeping and CFO firm that helps to connect the dots from the financial reports to the hardscape and landscape data needed in order to reach high profits. They provide landscape and hardscape industry benchmarking, job costing financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA's team of accountants are specialized within the hardscape and landscape industry, and you can visit them at cyclecpa.com and for $200 off, mention the How to Hardscape podcast. Now back to our episode. Uh, we've mentioned a few times about budgeting. Uh, I do want to ask you about overhead recovery systems because this is something that's been on my mind quite a bit lately. I've got my own opinions on certain systems and uh, and I just I always want to challenge that and also get other people's opinions and either sure. challenge my opinions as well as uh, 
or reaffirm my opinions. I don't know. But yeah, John, I, what's your thoughts on overhead recovery systems and what you think of uh, what you use in your business personally or what you look to for project-based businesses versus recurring? I don't know. But uh, your thoughts on overhead recovery systems. Yeah, I would love that. I, I, I'm getting perked up about this discussion. I know <laughs> some people are going to be like, oh, this guy's talking too much. Uh, but no, seriously, I know it's, it's sort of a, uh, it's not a sexy thing. It's not a shiny thing. It's not something that people get excited about, but choosing the right overhead recovery system is very important in your business. And what we're talking about, I'll just give like a couple examples. You, you know, the very, like, I, I don't want to say mainstream, but the, what's the, uh, it's kind of like general accounting practices, you know, your, your, your gap, your, I, I can't remember the, I'm not sure what the term is that I'm looking for here, but when you when it comes to overhead recovery systems, there's there's several that come to mind. You've got, I'll I'll I'll, I'll spell them out and then or you know what I mean. You've got your single head overhead single overhead recovery system, which is technically SORS S O R S. You've got your doors, same thing, dual overhead recovery system, and then you have your mores, uh, multiple overhead recovery systems. Those three are, are, are kind of like the ones that really stand out with a lot of, when you say overhead recovery, I think for most people that know what that is, those three will generally pop up. Now, there's pros and cons to each and every one. I don't know how deep you want to go into it. I'm going to kind of give like a crash course 101 if that. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, like with single hood, is like let's just go with sores first. That sounds bad. Nobody wants sores. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's very easy because what you would do is you just basically you know what your like going from like my point of view, you would know what your break even point is, and then you could just mark up accordingly. The problem with that is if you mark everything up the same. It can, there might be certain aspects, like say when you're giving an estimate, that could, um, just by marking it up in the one category, for one category, it could actually lose you work. Even though it's it's easier to manage on your end, um, you might be way outside the ballpark because it can, or you might be really low. You know, it, it all depends, like you, you know, Two, there could be two businesses that technically do the same thing, but their break-even points could be completely different. So, like, if the guy down the road is saying, we charge $200 an hour for work, that might work for him. But then the next guy is, like, might be really equipment-heavy and uh, labor-heavy, and he can't, he could try to compete with that or he could just say, you know what, our break even is three hundred, and works from that. You know, uh, I'm just throwing that out because if we're talking about hardscaping, hard, a lot of times hardscaping we have big boy equipment. You know, we're talking about the giant earth movers and things. I know a lot of guys. I, I'm thinking I'm going back to my construction days. Yeah, all the huge equipment that we had on site. You know, but anyway, just don't pay attention to like the dollar amounts that I'm throwing out. Uh, it's just for reference. Um, but anyway, if you have that single overhead recovery system where you're only charging one, uh, you're just marking everything up one in uh, one percentage way, it can, it, like I said, it simplifies it for you as the business owner to know like, oh yeah, we're making 30% on this. Or, you know, but the problem is it might, it, it might not be as accurate as with the other systems right like dual overhead recovery system basically same concept except maybe your your labor rate but we'll just take two key points out of that whole thing the labor might be 15 percent marked up or and then your materials might be marked up 100 percent. okay so people are like what that's crazy it's like no 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 you, you know you're you know, when one point you're operating at a 50% margin, that's when you mark up everything 100%. 
that 15% that you marked it up is pretty low. It's like you're actually only, what, like 10 not even 10%. Uh, but anyway, you're operating at that margin. So, like, when you take the put the two together, you might be at a a four, let's just say forty percent margin. You right. know, which is good margin, but it just a it gets a little bit more complicated. You know, but the thing is, is when you dial it in that way, your your estimates get even better. They they get more niched in, and then we we'll just save the la- not the last. I don't use the Moors, but anyway, you've got the Moors, the multiple overhead recovery system. And that is great for a guy like me. If you like, say, Mike, you come to me and you go, Paycheck, I need, I need help because this is a very complicated system. And I go, yes, it is. And, you, <laughs> yeah. and don't get me wrong. It's, 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 it's a good system, but it is very complicated. Because you're talking about, like, you could basically have a different margin or a different markup for each segment. So you could say, you know, this is the to make it easier to understand. What I'm saying is, like, your labor rate would be one markup percentage. It would be whatever it is, you know, say 10%, 15%. And your materials might be on this job might be 50% and your overhead for your, your office staff. And just to keep things uh, rolling, you know, not your indirect labor and your uh, administration is at this percentage. Okay. So you, I mean, you could break it down into however you want to do. It's like, you know, your um, uh, equipment cost recovery would be at another percentage point. So you're sitting there and it's like, yeah, you could really dial everything in, but it takes like, you know, it's almost like you have to have a degree and a really powerful system, like either either CRM or uh, like Excel spreadsheets and all whatever it is that you're going to be using. It's like, you, it's not, unless you have a good system set up, it's hard to turn those over um, and make sense of them. Now, like I said, it, it it's like great for a guy like me because it's like, yeah, I got you hooked and come on in. The water's fine. You're going to be paying me now for a while. And I'm not greedy like that or anything, but uh, I really don't have any clients that hire me for doing estimates and things. <laughs> but the that that's like one of the biggest disadvantages of the Moore system, in my opinion. So I, I, I know I've talked talk for a long time Michael what, what what's your how do you feel about that it, yeah I, it, it makes they hit the bases on that yeah it makes total sense to me uh I feel like Moore's is more so uh for the consultants because it'll keep them employed for quite some time there um also it, it's difficult especially it also depends on the business right like for example my business uh we do hardscaping but sometimes we do maintenance for hardscapes and those come with uh, same division, same crew, but those come with differing materials. So with Moors, you have to be able to budget your materials. And if I enter a season and I don't know how much of my time is going to be allocated to maintenance and how much of my time is going to be de- dedicated to d- design build, which carries vastly different material costs, I'm not going to have my m- numbers dialed in for a Moors system. It doesn't make sense for that. Um, same thing as if you are doing because hardscaping business will do drainage. They'll do maintenance for, for hardscapes, design build. There's just so many different things that the same crew can be doing. And those carry so many different material costs that you just can't accurately, in my opinion, budget materials to be able to accurately mark up your materials to make up your overhead for that. Yeah. That's particularly why I generally don't use the more system. Mm -hmm. I have a more, it's a different, it's almost like it's time and material. Because what it's based off of, like when we do estimates, and one of the reasons why my, when going back to my construction days, when I would bid the jobs, I came at it from an approach of time and material. Now we would, no matter what, we would still bid the job as one whole, because the difference with time and material is like, if you're on a job, uh, 
and let's just put this into our world again with hardscape and landscaping. You know, it's going to be very hard to find a, a, a client that is willing to say, here's the open checkbook. If your guys work 40 hours this week and 60 hours the next week, then that's fine. And if you end up running th through this much material, then yeah, okay, we'll write the check for it. It's very difficult to find a, a client that's like that. And I don't really recommend trying to bid a job like that. I bid the jobs as a package. And like most of us, like I would probably say 99% of us do that. Uh, so what I, but the approach that I would take is from a time and T&M type uh, perspective. And that way, once I had production rates in place, I could know that it's like, you know, what I do is I assign, I look at like all of our equipment, all of our setups, like our trucks, our trailers, everything is like a unit. So I know if truck one goes out, it's it's equipped with X amount of things. That truck is its own, you know, line item on my end. I don't show that to the client, but on my end, I look at that and I go, if that thing's gone for a day, it needs to make, say, let's just say 800 bucks, okay, to recover. I, like, again, don't take these numbers to heart. But whatever it is, if it rolls, let's just bring it back down into like normal people's, you know, <laughs> price range. Let's just say it's $200 for that truck for the day. Okay, well, you got your $200 truck. Well, who goes in that truck? Oh, there's laborers, right? Oh, well, each one of these laborers is how much an hour? Okay, whatever it is per hour. I don't want to confuse anybody. But it's like, boom, all right, well, now you know you add other things like oh it's going to have trailer number five on it oh i know what trailer number five has on it and this is traditionally like this is the equipment that goes on that thing so when it goes out the door that whole package it's like all right for that whole package just to go out is you know five hundred dollars a day it that's our break even we're not mm -hmm. talking about you know so i could look at it and go all right what's What's our margin? What are we trying to hit? Is it a 30% margin, 40%, whatever it is. And then we mark up accordingly. Right. So it's a much simpler system. I don't have to like guess at it. It's like, it, it's very modular in a way because if, like I, I said, hey, truck one went out and it took trailer five with it. Well, trailer five's out on a different job. Well, guess what? Trailer four is very similar in the way it's built out it's not exact but it's very similar and it has all the tools that the guys would need boom let's send that thing out gotcha. price might be similar or more a little more or less mm -hmm. whatever it is you know but when you when you start systematizing things uh your your business like that including your quotes your and how you uh recover your overhead it's consistent and you could really dial in those numbers. Like, um, you know, we, we, we generally with business, I generally try to have like a projected, what's your, what's your target goal for the season in this division? Not just the company in general, because we, it's like, Hey, you know what? The business needs to hit, you know, 500 K this year. All right. Well, you told me you got three different services. That's to me, that translates into three different divisions. Mm -hmm. How much does your mate, you know, you, you, Michael, you mentioned that you got, you know, you do hardscape installs, but you also do the maintenance. So I would break that down and let's just say you have two divisions. One is the maintenance, one is the install. Okay. How much money do you anticipate or what's your target for just your installs this year? How much do you anticipate? How much are you going to do with maintenance? Is this from recurring clientele that, they've had work done with you and then you just continue year after year to come back, like install mulch or, you know, plant new plantings around the hardscaping or, or you know, just touch things up here and there, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, whatever it might be. And when you start breaking it down like that, it, it's like, wow, all right, now you just, instead of having this big chunk number, because guys are like, oh, you need to make a million bucks. It's like, okay, a million dollars is still like a goal for a lot of people. It's like they, they get that that number just pops in their head and they're like, I just need to make a million. It's like, 
all right, well, how are you going to make that million? Is it all going to be in installs? Is it all going to be in maintenance? How how's that work? So that's why when you break it down and you could start casting the projections for each one of your divisions, it adds up very quickly. And then it's like, yeah, this is, I can do this. Or, ooh, that's that's a lot. That's a bigger chunk of the elephant that I I bit off a little bit more of that elephant that I could chew right now. So, uh, John, one last question, if you have the time for it yeah, here. Um, equipment, where do you include that? It, would that would you incorporate equipment as an overhead budget or would you um, say assign equipment to a project when it's going out to recoup the costs of that equipment? Uh, just your thoughts in terms of how you incorporate equipment to recoup the cost of the equipment. So the, that goes back to the divisions uh, within a business. So when we're doing the budget, to plan out for like the season to find out what our break-even point is to hit our goal uh, we we take account for all the let's just go like a simple thing like with mowing you're not okay if we have mowing equipment it's not going to be out on a, a hardscape install project it's not going to be on a gutter cleaning project okay so when we're building that budget for the mowing division it's going to be included in there. And then we're, we would have to, you know, you obviously there's a lot to it. You have to know your production rates and what, how many clientele you need to hit that number. But when you do, it's, it's just going to break it. You know, the way that I do it specifically is it breaks everything down to where um, no matter what, when you roll out with that equipment and you're charging the right amount, it's not just some magic number we pulled out of the air. Um, it is strategic. It is planned. We sell that job. We book that job. We know that that's, um, let's just say it's, you know, $60, you know, per cut or whatever. I don't really get nitty gritty and say, okay, every percentage point comes out of it. But like for every, for every like $100, you know, in the business or for every whatever, it is a, percentage but you know for it's not based off the 60 you know but for like every hundred dollars every thousand dollars of the business we're going to take that money from our um now i'm getting a more a little bit more detailed here but like when it, it comes into our business as income it gets filtered into different bank accounts you know we again it's kind of a combination of the envelope system from dave ramsey which was actually cash management. You just put cash in different envelopes. Well, nowadays, because I, you know, where I bank, I get free checking accounts. This is more of a, you know, like Mike Michalowicz profit first type organization of money. I don't do the, I don't put my profits first. Uh, I know that's a weird way of saying it, but anyway, the, he, he basically just does the same thing as the envelope system except he puts the money in bank accounts. So it kind of comes in, it comes into our income one, and then it gets filtered out. It's like, all right, we did X amount of money this this week in this division. So now, uh, you know, we're going to put $500 towards our equipment replacement fund. And here's our maintenance fund. The X amount of dollars goes into that. And it's, it's all predetermined from the budget that we made before the season started gotcha it makes a lot of sense and john uh i did lie there i do have one last question for you yeah five uh, <laughs> show, man. one last question for you i promise uh what did we not cover here that uh would you would want to tease our audience with with the uh, budgets break evens bottom lines uh what else would they be looking forward to if they were to ever go to johnpajack.com and see more about the budgets break evens bottom lines there i got to do a better job at marketing that a little bit um most people it's always like kind of a word of mouth and then people are just excited because it changes their their business I'm I'm too busy changing people's lives <laughs> to, to actually put out better content, uh, but that's going to change soon. Uh, but no, really, I mean, when you go through it, it's it's a lot more detailed than what most people anticipate. They think it's just going to be me telling them what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. What it really is, it's not even it's not a coaching workshop. It is a true consulting workshop. 
And what I do is I go, I break down all of their numbers. We go through it before they even, uh, we even meet. I just give them a few worksheets that they have to fill out. And some guys get scared about it because they're, unfortunately, I haven't figured out a good way of of like breaking it down and saying, okay, uh, you're at the top echelon. You know, when they look at it, they're like, I'm never going to have like TV marketing ads. What the hell? Why is there a a place for this? It's like, don't worry about it. It's sometimes I think I keep it there just to kind of keep guys thinking like I could get there. You know, there's possibilities because, uh, you know, it it goes the, even the worksheets, they go in great detail about like, you know, what your, everything on your business end, not your personal finances, but your business end how much we're going to figure out exactly what it costs for you to open the doors every day. I also ask what their plans are because some guys don't want to grow to like multiple crews. They just want to have a successful business where it's just either them or maybe one other person. So depending on what those goals are and what they are, what we do is we just go really in depth with all their numbers, scrub everything out and then find out, you know, break it down into a budget for each division of their business and find out what their total revenue goal is. Um, and based off of all the data that they give me, I will then compile that into a big report. And, you know, it teaches you how to do a lot of business stuff <laughs> uh, numbers wise. But it breaks down in detail, like what it actually costs you you know, what your break-even point is to operate your business. And from there, I then I offer some suggestions as to how to be profitable. You know, that's the bottom line part of it. it sometimes you don't have to listen to me. Uh, I've been in places where I've given suggestions and they're like, our market will support more than that. And I'm like, that's great because now you'll have more profits. It, if you don't have to, you don't have to not charge that. You 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 could charge more. That's fine, as long as you're charging at least this minimum here. Uh, I never. I some guys get confused and they think that it's they need to charge what the break even point is. And I'm like, no, your break even's where you're not making money or losing money. You're just stagnant. You're not going to grow at all. Um, so anyway, through that entire experience. You know, it's it's sometimes it's a gut check for guys and a lot. I mean, actually, I would say for almost everybody that goes through it, uh, it is a gut check. But at the same time, at the end of it, they're they're very happy that they went through it because now that they have a better understanding of what their numbers actually are, and they have the confidence to now go out and bid without worrying about if they're not if they're charging not charging enough. I think the biggest thing I could give to someone, especially business owners, is that confidence and that that just knowing straight up, like, I'm not afraid anymore. I could help take that fear away from them so that when they go out and they are talking to their potential customers or their regular customers, that they could just charge what they need to and not be, you know, they don't have to apologize for it. Because there's, you know, I don't know why, but it seems like profits, People, when people start talking about profit, they get guilt. It's almost like, you know, they feel guilty about it. And it's, there shouldn't be any, you shouldn't have guilt about trying to, you know, create a better life for you and your family and for those that are working under you, you know. When we ha- our employees, we take care of them. We're proud of that because they have families. We don't want to like deny that, like, oh yeah, we're gonna make the money, and then we're gonna deny the people that make this happen a, a chance at having a good life. We know it's the only reason that we can do that is when we are profitable. We're giving. We're not. We're pro- providing a service for people that want the service done, and, and first and foremost. We're making them happy. And then for us to continue to do that, we need to be profitable. So we need to have 
you know, good employees around. We need to take care of them, which therefore takes care of their family. And then obviously we take care of ourselves and our family. Uh, John, thank you so much for your time and to uh, do this interview. Got tons of other questions that we could always go down rabbit holes if you'd ever want to join uh, me for another interview in the future sometime. But uh, for now, I think that's a good way to end it there. John, where can our audience go to find out more about you, Breakevens, uh, Budgets, Breakevens, Bottom Lines, your podcast, wherever you want to send them to? Sure. You could find us basically anywhere uh, for the Profits with Payjack podcast, Apple, Spotify, all the Audibles, Libsyn, all of them, whatever you listen to. There, it's there, um, and we release uh, three episodes per week, so we're very consistent with it, and we hope that you you check that out. Uh, and again, like you've mentioned before, Michael, the, the you know johnpayjack.com, the, you get more information about our budgets, break evens, and bottom lines workshop. We also I have some courses that are coming out too, where it's more self taught. If you're nervous about talking to me in in person or anything like that, or if you're not ready to dedicate pretty much you know a day of your life <laughs> to the uh the live workshop uh we've got some um you know do-it-yourself uh courses coming out and that's all it's all going to be at johnpayjack.com perfect john thank you so much for your time you're welcome Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. If I could ask you for anything at this point in time, it would be a rating and review. If you are on Apple Podcasts, you can go there, leave a rating, leave a written review. We have a few here that I'm just going to read and we're going to get into doing this because I've been meaning to do this for quite some time here. All the way back from 2019, we've got Jacob Reed. And I believe that is Jacob Reed from Mquip who sell vacuum lifting equipment. Title is very informative, five stars. Highly recommend listening if you're in the landscaping industry. Mike is discussing a diverse range of important topics with leaders in the industry. Another one from Scott T. Lloyd from Lloyd's Landscape Contracting. Title is awesome content, five stars. Always good listening to these podcasts. You're going to learn something new every time. And one more for today's episode. Please keep the content coming, super inspiring highly recommend five stars there from crazy daddy bird thank you so much for everyone listening into today's episode with john payjack there and if you need bookkeeping accounting cfo services reach out to cyclecpa at cyclecpa.com let them know how to hardscape sent you for 200 off their services there and if you are looking to add outdoor lighting to your portfolio to your projects reach out to inlight outdoor lighting at inlight design that's i-n-l-i-t-e design on instagram Follow them and message them to get that conversation started. And we look forward to meeting with you next week on the How to Hardscape podcast.